Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. For the opportunity to be here this morning. I have been I have been asking God to help us and um, you're going to love me at least in this part that I'm not going to preach very long to you. Uh, I'm noted for two and a half hour Bible studies and and uh, 45 minute sermons. Not and uh, I've never gone two and a half hours now three hours maybe but never never that long but. I don't want to take a lot of time. Uh, I want to give the obligatory uh, appreciations. This is a good church. You're good people. God loves you. You have a long, uh, illustrious history here in this city, and uh, I honor that. I heard about you before I ever met you. I knew about you before Pastor Calhoun ever came. And uh, I, I want to be a strength. I want, to, I want to lift up your hands. I'd like to see revival break out. The Holy Ghost be poured out. The Spirit of the Lord begin to flow like a river. The anointing of the Lord come and destroy the yoke. The presence of the Lord visit us often until we are just overwhelmed by his wonderful and powerful presence. One man said it this way, if we can learn to love what God loves and learn to hate what God hates, we will have the continual favor of the Lord upon our lives. And uh, I want that. I want that. And part of what God really loves is that God loves mankind. He loves us. There is nothing in all of the affection that we can find in God that is greater than his affection for the souls of men, the souls of men. Uh, I, I woke up early this morning, and uh, I thought it was time to get up. It was only 2.15 a.m., and so I resisted that urge for a while. But when I woke up, these thoughts were on my mind, and I don't really have uh, a lot of sermon notes, but I got a few little uh, things written down that I want to talk to us about today. Let somebody be helped by the Holy Ghost. This is a familiar scripture to us. I don't know of a preacher worth his salt that is not at some time preached about the prodigal son the journey that the prodigal son took, and uh, the way that he returned. But as I was looking at this text and uh, thinking about this text, it, it came to me from verse number 22 what the father's attitude and the father's spirit was when this prodigal came home. And when I read that part of the Word of God, that said, but the Father said, the Father said. And everything that 
uh, involves the restoration of this young man, everything that involves the forgiveness of this young man, everything that involves in the rightful placing of importance upon his heritage and upon his life is all predicated on what the father had to say about his return. We do know from the reading of the text that when this young man was yet a long way off, that the father ran to him, and the father fell on his neck, and the father kissed him. And so we understand that there was in the heart of that father an interest in the return, an interest in the restoration, so much the soul that, if you'll allow me at least to look hard at it, he was waiting, he was watching, he was anticipating, it was in his mind, it was in his plan, it was in his desire that this young man return. And when he returned, he already had it in his mind what it was going to be like and how he was going to restore. When I look at that attitude of the Father, I think about the Lord who so loved that he gave himself. And uh, I cannot help but consider the words of the Lord. Revelation 22 and 17, the Lord is speaking, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. He that hath an ear to hear, let him come. He that is thirsty, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. And whosoever will, let him come. Let him come. This seems to be the attitude of the Lord, the anticipation of God for the life and the souls of mankind. In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38, when the question has been asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? There is a very profound and beautiful invitation that is given that is easily understood that is easily embraced when the Apostle Peter said, Repent, 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 repent. How very beautiful are the words and the invitation. Repent, repent. Nobody knows like we know the things that are in our life, in our mind, in our spirit. And yet the word of the Lord and the invitation of our God is repent, repent. A place to be sorrowful. A place to say, I didn't mean to. A place to say, I didn't want to. A place to say, I wish I hadn't done that. A place to say, I don't want to do it anymore. A place to say, I would to God that it never crossed my mind or gotten in my spirit. And the apostle said, this is how you can get it right. And the beautiful invitation is simple and easy. Repent, repent, repent. And then the beautiful, beautiful invitation to be 
baptized in the beautiful name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. That's not just getting wet in the baptistry and an outward manifestation of some inward decision that's been made, but it's the chance to have the blood of Jesus Christ to expunge away every sin and every evil thing that's ever been done in your life. Brother, that's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity and that's, that's powerful to consider. And then the staying power and you shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. That beautiful experience that is Christ that comes to live in us and to keep us. I promise you today that the invitation of the Lord is sincere and it is very, very real. Revelation 3 and 20 says these words, Behold, I stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. Hear what the Father has to say. I will come in. Not if you get good enough, I will come in. He just simply said, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you will open to me, if you'll repent, if you'll get washed in my blood, I will come in. I will. I want to give landmark hope again this morning. I will come in. I will come in. I will come in. Praise the Lord, somebody. That's not about right. That is right. Upon these truths are predicated revival. Upon these truths are predicated repentance. Upon these truths are predicated a lifestyle of living for God. Free from this world. Free from the entanglements of sin. Free from the temptation to go back to that filthy, ungodly world. Amen. If any man will open. If you'll just open. If you'll just open. Revelation 19 and 9 said, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. We like to sing that old song. At least we used to sing it quite a bit. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Praise God. There's an invitation that has been given. There is a word that comes to us that said there is a marriage supper. There is an invitation to go to heaven. There's an invitation to get out of this world and to get to a better world than this one. Oh, clap your hands. Let's shout unto the Lord. Hallelujah. And the text ends in the ninth verse of Revelation 19 by saying, These are the true sayings of God. These are the true sayings of God. That invitation, that, that desire, that 
that hunger, praise God, that interest. When I think about this young man, I think about what he did. I want to point out some things about his life here for just a moment. From reading of the text, we know that his actions that he took were deliberate. We know that it was not a mistake that he made in his life. We know that he made a choice to go to his father. We know that he made a choice to demand what he had coming in his future. We know that he made a choice to go into the far country. And we know that his lifestyle was a choice. We know that he was inconsiderate. We know that he did not care that his parents were weeping and crying. We know that he did not care that the work was left to somebody else. We know that he was not concerned about what he hurt and who he hurt. We know that he was inconsiderate. We also know that he was motivated by his self-will. Amen. We know that he said in his heart, I am going to do this. And I don't care what anybody else thinks about what I'm doing. I feel the Holy Ghost on me this morning. We do need to care about what our actions produce in us. Amen. Where am I at this morning? Some of y'all just looking at me like we just got here. We've been here a while. Praise God. I said we do need to care what our actions produce. Young people, you do need to care. You do need to care about what you do and the consequence that's going to come because of it. Praise God. Praise God. You ought to care. There's a long life to be lived if the Lord tarries. And I promise you there's going to be some consequence. He was inconsiderate. He was motivated by self-will. And uh, when you are go against the uh, revealed authority in your life, we know that this young man was full of rebellion. We know that his actions made him separate himself. It was not father's house that pushed him out. It was not the harshness of the house that put him on the road. It was not the attitude of his siblings that caused him to do what he did. But he separated himself. We know that his actions were deliberate in his riotous living And it consumed him. We know that he made those choices. And yet when he came to himself. Aren't you glad that you can come to yourself? Aren't you glad you can wake up one day? Is there anybody here today that's thankful? Thankful for the day that the Holy Ghost began to work in your life again? Is there anybody beside me that needed the grace of God to reach back down to where we were living and give us another opportunity to get it clean and to get it right? Come on. Is there anybody? Praise God. I wrote this in the the pages of my Bible this morning in the motel room. And this is what I wrote. All men walk. In the shadow of this young man's failure. All men, mankind, walk where this young man walked. All men, 
that upon the face of the earth, not just gender, but mankind, all of us, all of us walk in the shadow of failure. We walk in the shadow of rebellion. We walk in the shadow of moral failure. We walk there in that shadow. All men walk in the shadow. But the Bible says these words in Proverbs 28 and verse 13. Whoso covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall find mercy. All men walk there. All men go there in their mind. All men are tempted even as our Lord was tempted on the face of the earth. All men have got to contend with another world pulling on us. All of us do. All of us do. And if we've got any kind of conscience at all, if we've got any kind of desire at all, if we've got any kind of hunger at all, if we've got any kind of interest at all, if we've got any kind of goodwill towards God at all, if there was ever anything good that was put in us, come on, if there was ever a mother or a father that said you ought not to do that, if you ever had a good pastor, if you ever had a good man of God behind the pulpit that preached to you with anointing and with a burden, when you walked through the valley and the shadow of that temptation in your life there will be a little voice that rises up on the inside of you that said you're evil you're wrong you're sick you've sinned you've done bad there's no hope for you you might as well go on and 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 be involved in what you're thinking about you might as well go on out there and sow your wild oats you might as well go on out there and and be the failure that you already are in your mind but i'm telling you there needs to be in us a desire that rises up on the inside that said no matter the shadow that i've walked under and no matter the sin that I may have committed and no matter the way I feel in the guilt of my spirit there's something in me that said if I can just get into a conversation with my heavenly father again if I can just get back in the presence of God I know, I know, I know everything's going to be made all right Hallelujah. My wife and I were blessed with three children. Uh, We have two girls. Our eldest is married to Brother Myers. They pastor in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, Our youngest daughter is married to Brother J.D. Stoltzfus. They pastor in Henderson, Nevada. Uh, Our son, our son is, he's, uh, he's not married. He's not pastoring. And it doesn't look like he's going to marry a preacher. We're very thankful. Praise God. Amen. But, but uh, he is, he's evangelizing. He's in Idaho right now preaching a revival. And uh, I talked to him last night and prayed with him. He's fighting the good fight of faith and telling me, Dad, I've uh, been wrestling. When I came in this room, spirit was here. And I had to pray it out. And uh, uh, our children, our children are different in their raising. Our eldest daughter can look you right in the eye and her expression never change. 
and uh, she doesn't rise up in rebellion, but but uh, she she could just look at us and be stoic, and uh, you could talk to her until you finish talking, and she's going to keep doing whatever she's doing. Just a little bitty thing when we had a tragedy in our family, and we got up early in the morning and drove many hours, got to the place where uh, we were going to help comfort our family. And uh, she was less than two years of age at that time. And uh, uh, we ended up staying up all night, and we didn't go to bed till 7 o'clock the following morning. That's kind of what you do when tragedy comes, and you're just trying to help folks. And you end up staying up all night. And uh, that little stubborn outfit at that age, we put her down to go to sleep. She hadn't been to sleep for a long time. And uh, she, would, she would cry and would get her up and she'd just sit in the corner and play. That's, that's her personality. That's her personality. And then our youngest daughter is such that, that you just look over at her and, Oh, no. Oh, what did I do wrong this time? Oh, forgive me. Take me out and just shoot me. Get it over with. That's her attitude. Just, just, just amazing. You know, just, you're right, baby. Oh, what did I do wrong this time? I don't think I, I think I count on this, this hand. The times ever had to correct her with any kind of corporal punishment. Not the first one, but the second one. Just didn't have to happen. Praise God. That certainly wasn't my experience. Boy, I got that much in a day. But anyway, anyway, maybe that's why I'm straight now, huh? Praise God. But our third child comes, and, and you know, either we were older and smarter or uh, because I was 36 when he was born, and, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just, you just look up one day, and, and he just, he's got convictions, and he's just walking right, and you'd look at it and say, well, how'd that happen? What happened? What happened there? But this is what I know. This is what I know. This is what I know. With every one of my children, there came the day in their life when they faced themselves and they saw the failures in their own life. And they had to make up in their mind what they were going to do about their relationship with God. And the day came when they made that decision. And because they made it the right decision, God has blessed them and helped them. And God has kept his hand upon their life. Why are you saying this this morning? I'm not certain the reasons that I'm saying this. But when the young man came to his father. And he said I have sinned against heaven. He had a right perspective of what he had done wrong. I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said, the father said, come here, servants, kill the fatted calf. Somebody go get that royal robe and put it back on him. Somebody go get that signet that brings him back into the family. Somebody go and, and, and help this young man to get washed and cleaned. Somebody go call all the neighbors. Let's have a celebration. Somebody, somebody go out there and, and, and let's make merry. Let's have a good time because that which was lost has now come back home where it belonged. Who am I preaching? 
preaching to today. Why is this on my spirit? Why did I come? I've been pastoring a long, long time. I just celebrated my 60th birthday. I've been doing this a long time. But there's something in my heart right now that tells me right here in Landmark that there's somebody that doesn't feel like they are worthy to get it right with God. There's somebody that feels like I've gone too far, done too much. I've been out there too long. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm in the throes of decision and I can't quite make my mind up what I'm going to do about it. And maybe God sent a white-headed preacher to preach to you on a Sunday morning that before you make your mind up to just go all the way out there and destroy your life, think about what God's got on His mind about you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. As the musicians come, I'm closing, I'm closing, I'm closing. I was sitting in my study, and uh, I don't have a study attached to, attached to the auditorium. It's kind of a standalone building. And uh, there's a little uh, office complex that's kind of built on the outside, but we are in Arizona, and we don't know what rain's about, and so uh, we we can we can suffer with that. One day, I was sitting in my office, and came a knock at the door. And I went I went to the the door, and I looked out, and there stood Faitha, and uh, she was just standing there. She was not dressed like that we had taught her to dress in the church like her mother had raised her. She didn't have the beautiful countenance that I'd seen the last time I saw her. She stood there at the door. I opened the door and I said, Faitha, what are you doing? And she started crying. Brother Garrett, can I come home? Can I come home? I said, Faitha, do you want to come home? She said, Brother Garrett, I'm living in a drug house. I'm living where I never feel safe. I've been taken advantage of so many times. Can I come home? Can I come home? There were some ladies in the church there. They gathered her up. We went to the altar. And Faitha came home. I want to say this to you carefully. You need to listen. What the Father says. My brother called me. He had been backslid for over 20 years. He said, Ron, I'm going for surgery on Thursday morning. I just wanted you to know I'm not feeling good. Nobody knows what the problem is. Wednesday night after church, I got in my car in the month of November and drove nonstop. Walked into the hospital and he was already prepped and lying on the gurney. 
my brother, big, strong, tough guy, contractor, hard as nails, reached up and grabbed me. And tears started flowing down his cheeks. He said, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? We prayed in that hospital preparation room. In a few moments, they took him off. My parents came. His in-laws came. His children came. Two of my brothers came. We sat there in that room. His wife was there. In a little bit, not too long, the surgeon came out, pulling that mask off of his face, looked into the waiting room and said, to his wife I need to speak to you she said Ron would you go with me we went into a little room her father my father myself my brother's wife and the doctor said we have looked inside he is eaten up there's no hope for him he will die. We can do nothing for him. Nothing at all. My dad started screaming. My dad got angry. My dad said, sin did this. My dad said, I hate this. He started getting a hold of my other brother that was backslidden also, and he shook him. You guys have lived this way, now look. I tried to put my hand on my father. Dad, dad, please. My sister-in-law fell in the floor and crying and crying and crying. They elected me to go in and talk to him when he came out from under the anesthesia. He didn't grasp it. He didn't grasp it. The next morning, I heard him get out of bed at 4 o'clock. I went into the room. It's Friday morning now. We've got an oncologist appointment. And at 4 o'clock in the morning, we sit in the semi-darkness and we talk. And we talk. And we talk. The oncologist looks him in the eye and says, You will die. There's no hope. There's no cure for this. We have not one medically proven case of remission for what you've got. You will die. My brother took it. Saturday, same thing. I sat there in the semi-darkness as he leaned back in the recliner and contemplated, I'm dying. He started crying. He said, Ron, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. He had a lot of money in the bank. He had several millions in the bank he was planning to retire completely by 50 years of age we talked and we prayed and family and friends started coming and got distracted Sunday morning he came to church Truth Tabernacle and I stayed there I preached on that Sunday morning by invitation of our pastor he came to the altar and he prayed he got up 
wiped his face from the tears, went home. Friends came by to visit, sat on the patio, lit another cigarette, put it to his lips like this, looked at it, threw it out, took the pack, threw him away. Went in and got his razor and cleaned up again, shaved his face off. Hadn't done that in years and years. Came to church on Sunday night. I don't remember what was preached. All I know is he came to an altar. He prayed. Oh, did he pray. Oh, he prayed. He prayed. He prayed. He prayed. He prayed through. Oh, he prayed. Brother Calhoun, he prayed and prayed and prayed. In his adult life, he never weighed less than 300 pounds. Big man. He prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. They carried him home that night. I went out with the pastor. By the time I got back to his home, they said, Bill's back there. Bill wants you, even if he's asleep, he wants you to talk to him. And I said, okay, I'll go back. And before I could go back, I heard him coming down the hall. He was talking in tongues. He was bouncing off of the walls. And my brother, who had a death sentence over his head, reached out, pulled me in like this, and squeezed me until it hurt. And he said, why didn't you tell me? It was this good. Why didn't you tell me it felt like this? Why didn't you tell me I could have this? And I said, Bill, I tried. And I tried. And I tried. But you weren't ready to listen. He lived 10 months. That's all he got to live. But in that 10 months, Elder Morton said, I've never seen such a transformation. When everybody said, Bill will never pray through. When everybody said, Bill and his family are just going to go to hell. When everybody said it, God had something else to say. And when he came to talk to the Father, when he came to talk to the Father, the Father said, come on home. I'm telling you, this is the best life to live. There's nothing like it in all of the world. Stand with me and let's lift our voice to God. Lift your heart to God right now. You saints that know how, begin to cry out to the Holy Ghost. Would you do it? Oh, God, send old-fashioned conviction into this house right now, God. Let the Spirit of the Lord begin to move across this house. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Come on, let's pray out loud. Let's pray out.